Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jeannie Gerlowski-Shep, and I'm very happy to be here with all of you, many of my clients and friends, to talk about the not-for-profit tax update. So I think all of us probably in this room at one point or other in our lives have thought to ourselves, like, what is the IRS doing and what are they thinking? The mysterious ways of the IRS. So it's interesting because the tax-exempt division of the IRS and all the different divisions actually put out a work plan every year of what their strategic priority areas are. And for 2016, the strategic priority areas for the tax-exempt division are five main things. The first is exemption, so activity, uh, as Martha Coakley had referred to it, mission creep, activity that's outside of your exempt purpose. Um, they want nonprofits to be very careful about that, and that's something that they're looking at closely. The second category is protection of assets. So a lot of this is transactions with related party and board members. They want to make sure that board members or officers of a nonprofit are not abusing their position to take the assets of the nonprofit. They're very focused on what they call the nonprofit tax gap. So they're very much going after unrelated <coughs> business income tax, as well as uh, different issues around employment tax, for example, employees versus contractors. They're also very, very focused on international issues, foreign bank accounts, oversight of funds spent outside the United States, uh, and then what they call the last category, emerging issues, which is not-for-profit hospitals and charitable trusts. So um, one of the things that the IRS is doing, like all of us, the IRS is trying to do more with less resources. And so what they've done, because they've had a lot of cuts of their staff in the tax-exempt IRS division, is they're using what they call the data-driven approach to audits. So essentially what this means is because so many 990s, including most of ours here at AAF, are being electronically filed, they now have a database of all this nonprofit information. And because they don't really have enough people to sit there and look through all the information manually, what they're doing is they're building these electronic data queries to try to find the red flags in the information that might say to them, oh, if the organization has this red flag, maybe we should go and audit them. So it's very important to be aware of the fact that the IRS is using this data-driven approach to the audits. Um, and we will go through in the next part of the presentation about what some of these red flags might be. So they're things that you can try to avoid as you work on your Forms 990. In fact, the Government Accountability Office in 2014 did a report of how the IRS has been selecting nonprofits for audit, and they found that over 20%, 22% of selected nonprofits were actually selected based on this data analytics, and that was back in 2014, so it's becoming more and more of a focus over at the IRS. So anything you can do to try to avoid or mitigate these red flags is obviously good to try to avoid the IRS at your door. So some of the common red flags, the first few are very common, but also I think very easily avoidable. So the biggest thing that they're really seeing is sometimes there's inconsistent reporting. And even though sometimes it can just be a mistake, um, they will evaluate if they find something inconsistent on the 990, whether they think it's indicative of an intent to mislead. And also another issue that they see quite a lot is failure to file a complete return. So for example, if you have a special event and you check off on the checklists on pages three and four that you have a special event but you don't have fundraising schedule G, they're going to start asking questions about why your return is incomplete or missing information. Or if your return is not signed, that's another trigger point for them, although with electronic filing 
that doesn't become as much of an issue. Um, as I had pointed out earlier, the IRS and the states as well are really going after unrelated business income as they go after every funding source available to them, including for not-for-profits. So if you indicate that you have unrelated business income on your revenue schedules or on your other filings and tax compliance schedules, but you don't file a 990-T, an unrelated business income tax return, they are likely going to go after you, and not only the IRS, but states as well. Or if you have a mortgage and you get rental income, but you don't file a 990-T, they're going to be questioning that as well, because a lot of times that may potentially be unrelated business income. They're also really seeing as a red flag foreign activity. They're concerned about potentially terrorists using not-for-profits to help launder money, or money going as grants overseas that could be used by a, by a group that's not friendly to the United States. So they're looking to make sure foreign activity is reported correctly on Schedule F, that you filed all your FinCEN, FinCEN forms, 114, formerly known as FBARs, so reports of foreign bank accounts. So that's something they're really looking at very closely. There's a question on the 990 that I hope none of you ever have to answer yes, but it relates to significant diversions of assets due to fraud or theft. If you answer yes to that question, you attach an explanation, which is what you're required to do. That's obviously a big red flag for the IRS, your donors as well. Um, as Martha Coakley had previously spoken about, and somebody asked a question about this during her presentation, any kind of political campaign activity, especially right now, is a big trigger point for them. Even if it's legitimate activity and you've done the filings and registered, uh, it's a red flag. Um, and if you do have the activity, you know, are you filling out your Schedule C regarding lobbying? Does everything look correct? You know, a, a, another big uh, Trigger point, as I had explained earlier, is the employees versus independent contractors. And if you indicate on your functional expenses that you have fees for services to non-employees, you know, are you filing 1099s? They want to make sure they're getting people who are um, not filing those required forms. And then again, you know, as we've spoken about with some of the other presentations, related party transactions are a huge focus um, for the IRS and for different regulatory agencies. They're looking to see what kind of transactions you have with your officers and with your board members. If you are paying them for anything or giving them any loans, what's it for? You know, are, is the amount of the loans changing year to year, or do you just have this big outstanding loan to a board member every year that never changes? Or, you know, what does your CEO compensation look like? Does it look reasonable. And again, what's reasonable or not, there's a whole lot of guidance out there from the IRS and other places about this, but it's a, it's a big area of focus. So what are the takeaways here? Um, so I really enjoyed my uh, the risk assessment panel this morning because it talked about you know, risk mitigation, and that's really, that's really the hot word, but, it, but it's uh, very relevant to this topic as well. And you're always going to have risk when you have a 990, and if you're an organization with foreign operations or with legitimate lobbying around issues, you're, you're always going to have those things, but you've got to think about your risk mitigation. So if you're doing new things, like if you have a big new program that you're starting, or if you are entering into a transaction with a board member that maybe is giving you the lowest uh, procurement bid on one of your contracts, you know, give a call to one of your AAFCPA's managers or partners, talk to us and say, hey, we're going to do this, you know, how is this going to impact our tax risk? Are we going to have unrelated business income, or are we going to have filings due in different states that we need to know about in advance? And your whole you know, finance committee management and the board should be aware of the importance of the Form 990. I know it's not 
people's favorite filing, but it is becoming more complex and more important, and there's all these red flags. So the management and the finance committee should very closely review the 990 and pay special attention to some of these items that we discussed as red flag items and big changes year to year. And as a best practice, we always encourage all our clients to make the 990 available to the entire board as well uh, for review before filing. Some of the key 990 review areas, um, and I'll just go through these briefly, are on pages one and two, you talk about your mission and program service accomplishments. So as a board member, a finance committee member, or a CEO, CFO, you know, do we have any significant program changes year to year? Are our programs correctly described and reported? On pages three and four, the, the checklist of required schedules that everybody loves to go through each year. Now, are we, did anything change year to year? Are we checking off all the right boxes? Do we have all the correct schedules filled out? There's over five pages of compliance and governance reporting starting on page five. And this is really the key to me and the meat of the 990. There's all these questions about are we complying with different regulations? Do we have best practices in place? You want to paint yourself in the best light possible. So, you know, it's not required um, under 990 regulations or nonprofit regulations that you have a conflict of interest policy unless you're a federal or state audit, but it's a best practice. And if you check that you don't have a conflict of interest policy, that's a red flag for the IRS and also arguably a red flag for your board and your donors. So you want to make sure you work with your AAF engagement team to make sure you're checking off as many of those boxes regarding best practice policies as possible. Is our process for reviewing the 990 described correctly? Is our board listing correct? And does the compensation seem reasonable and accurate that's being reported? Uh, the financial data, interestingly enough, obviously you want to look at it, make sure it looks reasonable to your audit or internal financials, but I don't think it's the biggest focus of the IRS. I really think it's this uh, governance and compliance questions that we spoke about earlier. But you do want to look at the financial data to make sure it seems reasonable, and if you have any unrelated business income, you want to be careful around that area as well. Then there's all the many millions of schedules that come attached with the 990, but some of the key ones that you really want to look at is Schedule A, which is your public support schedule. Are we getting close to our 33 and a third public support percentage? And that's something that's really important for the board to know and your CEO because it's something that has to be managed very carefully. And I find SAAF doing a lot of projections for nonprofits who are getting close to that threshold into a year or two out in the future to see where they're going to land. You know, Schedule C, political campaign and lobbying. Schedule F, activities outside the United States. Um, and then there's some related party schedules. Schedule L is transactions with board members or other interested persons. What are you reporting? Is everything on there that needs to be? And Schedule R, which is related organizations. As far as the actual forms for the 990 and the PC, there really haven't been a lot of changes year to year. The 990 is, the new 2015 form 990 is out, but there hasn't been much change year to year with that. Um, for the PC, same thing, um, very few changes, but I will point out that annual filing fees now have to be paid through the electronic website. Now I did give them a call a couple weeks ago to the AG's office and they said people can still write checks, but they're not advertising that. And they want people to try to pay electronically, so, um, and some of our clients have done it already and found it goes pretty smoothly and sometimes it can be easier than worrying about sending in a check. 
So I think the takeaway from our IRS and nonprofit update presentation is really that, you know, just talk to us, give us a call if you have any tax issues that you're concerned about or if you have new activities that are going on. We're always happy to talk to you, to walk you through any questions that you might have, to try to really do the risk management around your nonprofit tax. Thank you for your time. And I'm pleased to present Don Angelica, our Director of Tax Management.